Welcome to the Exhibitionist Podcast. I'm Catherine from Cultural Wednesday. And I'm Vicky from Museum Mum. Together, we are co-hosts on this friendly insider guide to the best exhibitions, museums and historic places to visit in London and beyond. Between us, we visit hundreds of cultural places a year. We're here to share what we've seen so you know what's worth the travel. Get ready to fuel your curiosity and wonderlust with the Exhibitionists. This week, fashion shows in London. But first, Catherine, how are you? I'm fine. I've been all over the place. I've rushed up to Durham to see Lumiere this week, which happens once every two years, that the buildings of inside and out of Durham are lit up. And also this year, uh, Bishop Auckland. It's absolutely amazing. Book your tickets for, not book your tickets because it's free, but arrange to visit Durham in 2025. I saw your stories and your posts and I was so envious. I really, really want to see it. It just looks incredible. It's absolutely incredible. We need to um, make a date for two <laughs> I'm years' time. free. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's looking free at the moment, Catherine. Uh, but yeah. Okay, and how are you? Um, I'm good, Catherine. It's been, we're starting to tick into Christmas mode. So we've had some lovely outings uh, with the family. Me and Museum Girl went to ice skating at Somerset House, skated at Somerset House. Oh, very nice. Which always, always feels so festive. And this week we went to the light trail at Kew Gardens, which was just stunning. So I'm already feeling next time you'll probably see me in a Christmas jumper. <laughs> a Excellent. Um, twink twink earrings. Do you yes. have twink earrings? I think it's just going to get more and more festive from here on. But yeah, so I'm, in, I'm feeling good. Excellent. So shall we, shall we start? Which exhibition do you want to start with? Well, I thought I'd start with the big fashion show that everybody's been talking about, the absolute blockbuster, which is Chanel at the V&A. Chanel is amazing. It's absolutely incredible. But could you get tickets? Well, we talked about it in our last episode. It was a complete sellout once it had opened. And so at the moment, you cannot buy tickets. You can, however, buy membership. And we talk about that more on our previous episode about museum memberships and that will get you in straight away so there'll be no wait there's also what i'm going to say is in the past vna has on sellout exhibitions started to open late and even 24 hours near the very end of the run so i would say make sure you subscribe to their newsletter keep an eye on their websites and socials and be prepared to click the button if and when that happens again Yes, because it will be a stampede when it happens. Absolutely. But yeah, let's talk about the show because we've both seen it. And obviously the V&A, they, they set the standard for fashion exhibitions. Uh, they've just had so many good ones in the past. This one, I think I talked about at the time, I was a little bit reluctant to see it because of my personal viewpoints on Chanel. But um, I thought I would go see and make my mind up for myself how they dealt with it. And actually, I thought they dealt with it very well. So we'll get on to that point because I think most people will be going there. will be going there for the fantastic fantastic fashion and that's really what it celebrates is 70 years really of this woman's work and just how incredibly stylish and trend-setting these things were and oh, grand groundbreaking because until then people, women had been wearing corsets quite structured clothes and she freed everything up well it's quite interesting because how much of that was her reflecting the times and how much of that was actually her changing fashion and I think what she can definitely say that she changed fashion for was her use of um, silk jersey so one of the first things that you walk in and you see is this really early very rare um, shirt 
uh, that she's created or kind of top because it's meant to go with the skirt, which is this kind blouse, of silk. Blouse. Yes, like a blouse. And it is just absolutely stunning. It's a kind of wrap and it, it goes out and it's very, very simple. But I think the idea was before then your jerseys, your silk jerseys, they were used for underwear and socks. The idea that you would go out wearing this very comfortable and what we now consider very elegant fabric was quite revolutionary. And also her use of tweed as well, because then that was very much a working fabric it was very you know practical and uh and and but she, again within the 20s and 30s she then elevated it to a fashion material so God, a lot of stuff was taken from working people it's like the the stripy jumper that sort of i mean i would be i, I sit talking to you now in a blue and white stripy jumper <laughs> and very elegant it is too Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> i have i have many i i every time i come home with a new one mr cw says Oh, yes, it's so subtly different to all the others. But coming back to Chanel, I mean, you could say that about, her, again, her black dress, I think, the little black dress is a Chanel thing. Before that, black was something you'd only wear in mourning. And you have a whole room dedicated to the sheer variety of black dresses that she created and how she really made them something, even today, is considered extremely elegant to wear. Although I no longer have a little black dress. I used to, but no, no longer. <laughs> Do you? Do you have a little black dress? I've got several. Whether I fit in them is another story. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but coming back to the exhibition, like I said, their shows are fantastic. They really do bring out the theatricality of, of clothing. I thought, I thought this one, the actual outfits were just incredible. The amount of detail, I think, again, it was getting close up to them and seeing these dresses from the 1920s and 30s, but then seeing how much, you know, there was kind of like pin tucks and all of this detail that you wouldn't see in a photo. And and I was just blown away by, by those objects, particularly that period. I found that period they dealt with really well. And that was probably my favourite part of the exhibition. And they, I mean, her as a person, She's still quite a mystery, a bit of an enigma, I think, even with the exhibition. They, they gave you bits of her life, but they didn't really... It was more about the outfits, I'd say. Yes, given that it is the v and so therefore about creativity and objects, maybe maybe that's the right way. If you Maybe you need, um, I don't know, a portrait gallery. You could do a more in-depth about who she is and what she was. Yeah, but I think even with the the V&A, when they did the Alexander McQueen exhibition, it was very much rooted in him and his life and the influences. And they brought that out with still creating these spectacular shows. Yeah, no, that's that's true. But there are also, there are many, many people alive now who can talk, talk to and talk about Alexander McQueen, whereas fewer people. <laughs> yeah, well, fewer. Maybe. Uh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe but, that's why. Just the paucity of... Um, I think also, Reality. I think she wanted to remain that enigma. She told yeah. a lot of lies. There's a lot of mysteries. Maybe I'll move on to the point that I wanted to make. So part of the reason, like I said, was her connections, especially during the Second World War. She was listed as a Nazi sympath- sympathizer by the Third Reich. So that was part of the reason that I was just like, not sure I want to go. But actually, I thought they dealt with it really well. They showed what material evidence they had, some some documents to show where she was listed. But also they showed new evidence, which was her listed um, as actually somebody that the French resistance could go to as well, which I'd never heard of before. So I think it was very complicated. She was very, you know, she was born essentially in a very humble background 
background. You know, she ended up getting brought up in an orphanage. Uh, and she, she went from this very humble background to ex- basically dressing and, like you said, creating the standards for the international elite. And, and I also think- living, living with them. I mean, she had relationships with men at the very top of the social tree. Yeah, the Duke of Westminster, for example. And even when he got married and they carried on their affair, there's the dress she made for his his wife at the time. <laughs> so, that, so this is so that so and her relationships during the war. There's letters um, to Winston Churchill because she had an ongoing friendship with Winston Churchill as well. So I found that really really interesting. Like I said, you can go in, you can just enjoy the dresses. But I particularly enjoyed the pre-war periods. I found the second the post-war periods kind of less interesting and less engaging but obviously again beautiful outfits and then they had that at the end they have this sweeping stairway with the kind of ball gowns and that sort of thing but yeah what did what were your takeaway what did you enjoy most about it what I enjoyed about the exhibition it was learning about her and the new light that was shone on her goings on during the war but what struck me most was the clothes the fact that she was mould-breaking, and yet still 70 years on, those early clothes, I would wear them. I'd wear them now, and I would not, you wouldn't look and point and go, oh, Catherine's wearing fancy dress. You'd look and say, Catherine's dressed elegantly today. And so the fact that that endures, that they are simply elegant clothes and have sort of struck the line of what we still consider to be elegant, I think is amazing, an incredible legacy. Definitely. And it goes to show that she, in some ways, created style rather than, you know, she wasn't about fashion, she was about style. And we still aspire to that level of elegance today. So uh, if you can get tickets, if they do release them, or if you do join, then it's definitely one to see. And uh, enjoy the dresses, enjoy the outfits, but also you know, potentially learn more about this controversial and complicated character as well. And it's on until the 25th of February, if you are thinking of holding out for tickets or buying membership. I'm going to lead you on to another 100-year-old, 102-year-old brand. Uh, This time it's Gucci Cosmos, which is on at 180 Studios. And Gucci Cosmos is a traveling exhibition. So it's been, I think, has it been in Shanghai? I'm not sure where it's going next. But anyway, it's traveling the world. It is designed by Gucci. It's very, very much a Gucci thing. And so Gucci have bought in Es Devlin to design all the sets and Maria Luisa Frieza to curate the content. You are in a theatrical, theatrical world. Have you seen it? I have seen this. Um, I took Museum Girl last week after we went ice skating. So, uh, and it is, it was a fun Friday night. Absolutely. The thing to take, a, well, to take anybody actually. The audience when I went was far younger than the usual profile. And I, I went on a sort of late afternoon when usually the profile is older, but I would say that most people there were in their 20s and 30s. Yeah, so, definitely. What did you what did you like about it, Catherine? I loved the theatricality. I really, it starts off in a recreation of a lift because Gucci worked in the Savoy and was a lift boy in the Savoy. And 
saw all the people's luggage. And so when he went back to Florence, he knew what the international elite wanted from their luggage. So that's sort of that conceit. And you feel this if you're going up and then you get out and you've got to go down. You realise that you've just been sat in a room with a clever optical illusion. Um, (laughs) But then you, you go from room to room via twirling doors what are they called rotating doors and each set is different but it's white until until it's not white you feel as if you are on a stage set and the level of detail is incredible and just it's kind of the visual purity of it like when it's white it's really white and then you know you go through these rooms and the last room is this incredible red space which is just the intensity of this of the red so I, I think the design is standout Oh no, it's absolutely standout. And plainly, Gucci have they've they've given Es Devlin free range and the money to do it. It's absolutely expensively produced. But 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 I can't come away telling you about a single bag or dress, a scarf. There was there was a florally scarf. Look, Grace Kelly had the first one, but the one on display isn't Grace Kelly's, and that's. So there were, there are objects, there are items of fashion on display. But what I come away with is the impression of the sets. Yeah, and that's, I think that's very true. We can remember a little bit because the, you remember the blue rooms, so you go into this, it's meant to be like yeah. walking into an archive. So you have uh, boxes and drawers to look into. Yeah, no, I quite like to enjoy opening the drawers. Yeah, and the mirrored ceiling, and that was incredible. Uh, And actually, Museum Girl really got into opening the drawers. And actually, the silk scarves in there, I really remember because she started looking for, oh, where have they hidden the little Gucci logo? And so we were looking at the designs and things like that. But yeah, it's definitely the set. And there's always that question about exhibitions, like when does the storytelling or the design overpower the objects? For me... I feel that it's, 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 well, first of all, it's a really enjoyable experience that will work for almost all ages. Violet had never heard of Gucci and she was walking around going, what is Gucci? And she was asking other visitors. So yeah. you can walk out still not knowing what Gucci is, to be honest. But like you said, I think it'll appeal to a really wide range of people. And it, that's what I love about exhibitions and displays is, is that they do something different that you couldn't read in a book or you couldn't research yourself. You kind of experience it. I'm still very confused about what the Cosmos link is with Gucci. If you could explain that to me, please do. I I don't know either, but I'm expecting Gucci Cosmos to be a perfume soon, if it's not already. It could be the most expensive perfume launch in history. Yes. (laughs) But also possibly the most enjoyable. So I'm going to go back, actually. I've already said uh, Museum Dad's going to take some people from work. Uh, I'm going back with some colleagues because... Yeah, you bought membership, didn't you? I bought membership, so I'm, I'm just popping in. I really enjoyed it as an exhibition. So if you if you're not like Vicky and you don't have membership, it is it's eighteen pounds to go and and see. It's on until the thirty first of December and uh, book ahead. Yes, I didn't book ahead, and there there is no ticket office, so you're then tapping away on your phone and the signal inside 180 studios is not great obviously they they can't get through the brutalist concrete 
Um, so yes, definitely, definitely book ahead, even if you're just sitting in a cafe around the corner. <laughs> Top tip there. Um, I was going to move on then to Rebel at the Design Museum, which is, it's it could sound quite geeky because it's about a specific scheme, scheme. It's about the British Fashion Council's New Generation Scheme, which started in 1993, and it's a 30-year look. But Actually, what it really is, is a celebration of British fashion creativity over the period through this scheme. And I just found it really, like, just really enjoyable again. It had like the energy that you'd want from a, a kind of, a, a fa- like a, a London fashion show to came through an exhibition, which is really hard to do in a museum space. Yes, that's, they had a sort of a central sort of catwalky bit and even though it's they're they're mannequins they're not moving anywhere you actually really got a sense of the fact that you were at a fashion show yeah absolutely because they what they do is it's not it's not a timeline they've kind of focused it on kind of places really so they're looking at well why is is London so have been so great and pivotal for fashion basically before the scheme it wasn't it was a dire place British fashion editors wouldn't really bother with it. But this scheme brought in the money and the support for people uh, mentoring. So one of their first, for example, was Lee McQueen, Alexander McQueen. Uh, And what they do is they recreate his lost taxi driver collection, but it's looking at the influences. So there's him on the spending his dole money. He's living in the council flat and it's got all of the influences and they've kind of recreated what was uh, this pivotal fashion moment that was lost. But it's kind of great because there are people who've broken through and become, you know, almost household names. But there's also people who are less less known as well. So it's, it's separating everyone's creativity rather than just focusing on a few. Yes, and it's also sort of wearing my sort of uh, former business and economics producer's hat. Uh, it's really interesting to see how once money, because you, the British Fashion Council ultimately is industry and money and people wanting to make money swings behind the creativity it's the real realization that you need to grow the talent you need to to feed and nurture the talent and if you do that you then have a a wellspring of creativity coming through that can be turned can be can be sold can be monetized yeah that's it and I think in terms of the names and the, what you'll see, there's Bjork's infamous swan dress, for example, came from that. Uh, came from uh, one of the designers on that scheme. You've got the latex balloon outfit that was worn by Sam Smith, which is, considering it's not very old, already looks like it's deteriorating. So that was no, my inner conservator. The, the swan looked a bit sad as well, but it, I, it, I'd, I'd have liked to have seen the swan in its pomp. I think that's the thing is that these are experimental, they're breakthrough, they're not meant to be pieces that are kept forever and last forever and they're museum pieces. They're very much sort of creative moments which have become really iconic. Uh, so so yeah, what else did they have? They had like Molly Goddard, her kind of blue, oh, electric the, the, blue. The net. The net, yeah. the incredibly tiered dress. And that was in the section where they're talking about art schools and how people learn and then the support that they have from their tutors. And and I think that would be great. If you've got a budding fashion designer it, uh, in their sort of you know teens or later, I think this would be great for them because there's just so much about fashion making, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought that that the, the room, the studio room was amazing, sort of showing where the ideas come from and the experimentation because you don't you Molly Goddard didn't come in to fashion school thinking I'm going to do net it's going to be amazing it developed over time 
And then suddenly it was amazing. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that 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 showing of the creative process and the thought process is extraordinary. It on another, if you on the top floor of um, Alexander McQueen in Bond Street, they have an exhibition about the creation of his of collections, and it's oh, that's a real insight. That's a treat and free. Oh, I have to see this one because I've heard a few people talk about it. Sorry, I've digressed there. No, digressions welcome here. (laughs) Yeah, the bits I thought worked really well. Like you said, the fashion show, I thought that got across the energy. It had that industrial feel, that kind of pop-up feel with the corrugated runway and also just the kind of diversity of kind of looks. So you had Sinead O'Dwyer who who celebrates different body shapes and things like that. That that was coming through. So I really love the energy of that. The queue where you had the outrageous outfit it's people you know like they were queuing for a club yeah um again was very very fun the bit i thought didn't work i didn't think the club room worked at all it was it fell very flat so you go into that dark space and there's like a club thing and some music that yes. just felt like a corridor to me but also within that corridor wasn't it? it was the getting ready where you could sit at mirrors and it would try on different outfits and put on different makeup I, yeah, the I, Snapchat filters. Yeah, yes. they were really, they were fun. Yes, I, d- I did spend time playing with those. Yeah. There, and, is, and, there is one on my Instagram feed. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was definitely fun. And also the last room, which is almost like the hanging collections, you know, you've got, you know, you've had your, your inspiration, you've had your, you know, your, your clubs, you've had the getting ready, you've had your catwalk, and then they've got the last room is, was all of the hanging collections. That was really nice because you could get up really close and see them from all angles and they were sort of suspended, they were behind glass, so you could get quite close to them. And it, again, it, it felt almost like a concept shop, which feels really fitting for that in a way that other museums who do fashion wouldn't do it in that way. So I really, really like that. And also it showed some of the things about environmental concerns and how young fashion designers are trying to think about what they make and how that addresses that. So we've got um, a dear friend who worked in fashion at that time as an editor. And for her, it was really nostalgic looking back and saying this really captured the time. So I think if you have any nostalgia for that period, you'll love it. I don't, but I still really enjoyed the exhibition. Yeah, no, I thought it was really good and sort of almost exactly what the Design Museum needs to or should be doing is doing. So that is at the Design Museum until the 11th of February 2024. And it costs £16.33. Pence. And if you've got I think a- it's from, I think they do that whole dynamic pricing. So you might want oh, to look they? around yeah, oh. for, for the best deal for that. Okay. You do get half price with your art fund, am I you correct? Do, you do get half price with the art fund card, yes. Okay, what did you want to talk about, Catherine? Which one should we do next? I want to talk about two exhibitions next that are are different but extremely similar. So they are, there's Fashion City at the Museum of London Docklands and Missing Thread, the untold stories of black British fashion at Somerset House. They tell stories of Fashion City is of the Jewish community and their fashion and their impact on the fashion industry. And Missing Thread is Black British fashion and their impact on the fashion industry. And they are two very, very similar stories, but at slightly different stages in their trajectory, just given at the times of the waves of their respective migrations. Start off with Fashion City, which is the tells the story of the Jewish fashion history. And that sort of starts at about the sort of turn of the 19th to 20th century with a big 
wave of Jewish people coming in in the wake of the pogroms in Russia and then continued with the disruptions and pogroms and um, whole Nazi Germany-ishness of the first half of the 20th century. So you say you start in the East End in small tailor shops and small sort of, yeah, just small workshops making fashion. Individual stories are told as well as sort of individual stories are tell the larger story and you've got a a mocked up tailor's shop and then you walk through an underground tunnel and suddenly you're in the west end so you're catching a tube which is really really clever and then you are in London in the swinging 60s when these small companies have become High street fashions, Marks and Spencers, Moss Bros, Chelsea Girl. Chelsea Girl's gone, but it was there in my youth. It was big, big in my youth. Just fascinating. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. Uh, full disclosure, I work for Museum of London. And uh, so my colleagues curated that exhibition. And I think it's fantastic. I think it does what the Museum of London tries to do, which is tell individual stories very, very well. So it's a fashion exhibition, but it's not just about the fashion. It's also about the people who made it. And it's about London. And it's about, it's very much about Spitalfields and how that area has just had, it changes all the time. It's, it's the, has historically been the place, well, it's been a very poor place. So therefore, that's the place, if you're new, that's when you can afford to live realistically. Yeah, definitely. And I think the sense of space is conveyed so well. Like you said, you've got the kind of early pre-war period and then then the the glamour and also the 60s as well like Mr Fish the kind of the 60s boutique and the relationship to Carnaby Street I want one of those um sort of Mr Fish made dresses for men but they look look, they look more like frock coats but I really really want one of those frock coats there's a picture of David Bowie wearing one I think I'd look better well there's only one way to find out Catherine (laughs) But um, and also the kind of ongoing because they had Princess Diane's maternity coat as well, didn't they? They did, yes. Which was made by Belleville Sassoon, I think. And I think it's there's there's a lot of subtlety and nuance in there, and it's it's relevant obviously to the historic Jewish community, but also then there's the relationship that had with with the next wave of migrants. So you've got, for example, there's a, a Bangladeshi woman's sewing machine there who did work for um, Jewish tailors. There's um, a Black Caribbean outfit there as well so it's an experience that is universal or almost universal to a lot of people who come and settle here Uh, yes so so I'm now going to seamlessly move on to missing thread which is the untold stories of black British fashion which is at Somerset House and that is that is following the black community coming in post-war Windrush or post-Windrush the the use of the tailoring skills to a create clothes for themselves and then moving into the wider market it's it's not mass market as you know, it's not marks and spencers because it's in a different trajectory but just fascinating that you start off by going through sort of you you go through sort of it's like a house but it's made of tape measures so it's called fragile house by harris elliott and it's there so it's depicting the fragileness of the migrants' house in their new country, and but also the, the materials which they have to use to make 
a new home and a new space. Oh, that sounds really impactful. You know, it is. And and it, and it, so it takes you from the sort of splendour of Somerset House and then you are into the exhibition space. Uh, it does it does it really 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 well there are different rooms so there is there's one room that is set up as a beauty parlor so it's all the it's the nail art and it's the getting ready to go out and then there's there's music because a, l- a lot of the fashion is I'm going to say hip hop but that's probably wrong and I'm probably offending lots of people it's it's music music driven in a a youthful manner in the clothes that just as I'm wearing a striped jumper, I I don't wear these things, ends up with a room of Joe Casely Hayford. So like a, a fashion show, but sort of greatest hits of his. And that is a room of clothes I absolutely would wear, want to wear. And also the Princess Diana appears as well because uh, Bruce Oldfield dressed her. So there's a oh. rather, rather lovely red frock of hers. And so, because often I expect or find that Somerset House, it, does, it goes a lot more on the artistic side when it does its interpretation, is how much of it is fashion and clothing and how much is other objects? Quite a lot of it is other objects, but they are fashion related. And so there is a row of shirts, tailored shirts hanging up on a wall and they're very beautiful, but it's an installation. So Wayne Pinnock was, he was a future fashion star in the 90s, but then took time away, took two decades away. And so he's made, he's designed, somebody else has made the clothes, but they are hung. They've been created as an installation. So they are clothes, but they're not clothes that you could ever go into shop and buy. Yeah, it's it's a mixture of the installation of the of the Ez Devlin-ness of the Gucci and of the actual clothes. Oh, sounds sounds really interesting. This one I have to see. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And it is, like I say, the prices of both those. So Fashion City is on until the 14th of April 2024 and costs £12 and £8 with an art fund card. And The Missing Thread is on until the 7th of January and is £12 or £9.50 with an art fund card. Oh, brilliant. Well, we only have one more show to talk about in this episode. And for this one, I was going to talk to to you about Welcome Collection. And it's the Cult of Beauty exhibition. I love the Welcome Collection. Well, me too. Me too. I think what they do really well, and again, it's in show in this exhibition, is they bring together kind of global history, art, science together. And they just and they they always say something new and different and have a fresh perspective on on a topic. Absolutely, I love the way. So I I have I have a science degree and obviously I really like art. So I love the way that they always always mash up art and science in a way that no other institution does so consistently. Yeah, absolutely. And so you will love this show. So there's over two hundred objects and artworks and. It's it, there's just so many. There's actually just so much to think about in there, and they they really draw the the parallel. So, for example, one of the things they look at is gold, the idea of alchemy, and and whether that can bring you eternal beauty. So then they have this 17th century copy of a medieval scroll that they've unrolled uh, for you to look at, where it's you know the kind of alchemy meets science meets boiler frog and yeah. you'll, you'll become you'll become this and that's stunning but then they've also got then a print of the Diane de Poitiers who uh, 
notoriously drank gold because she thought that that would uh, keep her youthful and uh, didn't, didn't quite so much really did it no apparently they have analyzed I think her hair and it helped kill her but then they've got uh, a modern day gold serum for your face so so you, you're going through the centuries and just seeing how how these ideas can can keep reappearing it's I mean it's very complicated there's a lot of ideas for example that they look at skin lightening so they talk about how even predating Western colonialism, they have a book from the 1590s, which is a Chinese book for recipe for pearl powder to whiten your skin. Obviously, they also look at that today and how that continues in certain cultures today. Huge proportions of people still use it. So, so there's a there's a very uh, there are a lot of a lot of difficult ideas. They look at plastic surgery for sort of cosmetic changes, and it, it's the whole it's the whole idea of what is beautiful. It's ultimately asking the question of do we all need to conform to the same the same thing? But how the same thing has changed. So oh, yes. one of the first things you see is is the Black Madonna, this amazing painting, and how she was revered. But obviously, you know, in more recent times, especially since colonialism, the idea that uh, a, you know a black woman was the ultimate beauty has has been sort of torn down so, yes. so Mary, it shows Mary how it usually looks white and Jesus is usually white in the in in the National Gallery and exactly. other galleries other galleries are available <laughs> but yeah so so I think I think so it shows like how things change but also that co- how things can start as medical and turn to beauty so I don't know if you remember there was that white LED mask which I've I've seen like advertised you know you can have and it's um, I don't know meant to just make you look youthful or whatever but actually it comes from a treatment for NASA to to promote wound healing and so they've got this like 1950s version of this mask which looks like a horror implement yes. and then today's beauty and that's the same with a number of things that were like I said created for scientific purposes but then crossed over into the beauty world. Yes, I could say what struck me most was the the foundation, the colours of foundation. My youth, there used to be there just used to be about two or three colours, and they all looked. Because I think one of the reasons why I wear very very little makeup is because the foundation just always looked wrong. It didn't it didn't look like me. And now there's a whole Pantone, and you can you can buy foundation in not a rainbow of colours, but a spectrum of colours mm. that actually reflects who we all are. And that's that's Rihanna's range as well. So you've got yes. this, I mean, that's the thing, you know, for a person of colour, trying to find foundation is particularly hard. So uh, I thought, I thought again, it's, so it's very inclusive in that way. And it's, it's thinking about how things are changing. And the history bit, those explorations, I absolutely loved. I really liked the corset bit as well. <laughs> yes. So you had this steel corset, which was for medical purposes. But then it goes to show again how that then became, you know, the idea of a beauty was was how your waist was shaped. So then they have maternity corsets, which I can't remember ever seeing before. It's quite an odd thing. I had a maternity corset because I had I had a sympathist pubis dysfunction. And so that meant my hips, basically the elastin that you sort of when you give birth, you sort of everything lets loose. Mine let loose a long time before so I had to be held together by a maternity oh, so, corset it oh was it goodness. was extremely glamorous okay I'll give that the beauty thing um <laughs> the bit I didn't think worked so well was the, the final section where they look at uh they have three large uh installations looking at the idea of beauty 
I like the the film. They've got a film called Possible uh, Permissible Beauty, which is about sort of black queer identity, British identity, um, and it's filmed in Hampton Court, and it's you know quite poetic. And that I really liked. But um, did you see the Narcissus installation? Yes, I did. Yeah. So for those who haven't seen it, it's this huge, possibly I don't know, maybe three meters high or a bit taller, kind of waterfall almost of the artist's dead mother's possessions over this chair and the idea is is this weight of things and it's a lot to do with her relationship with her mother that sort of thing I just didn't think it fit it fitted the beauty at all no I, I, I was confused by that to be honest yeah you know, I, I can understand, oh, you know, death comes to us all and, you know, why are we thinking about beauty? But it, it, it just felt a bit shoehorned in, I felt. So the contemporary pieces didn't illuminate me as much on the idea as, as the historical. But it's a free show. It is fascinating. And it's definitely worth going to see. And I think that the Welcome Collection Cafe is really good. And the shop is, if you're Christmas shopping at all, make sure you go to the Welcome Collection shop. It's amazing. Excellent. Well, um, Cult of Beauty runs until the 20th of April. Uh, it's free, drop in. Do bear in mind, it gets very busy, especially on weekends. There's huge queues yeah, to get in. I visited on uh, on a Sunday. I didn't have to queue to get in, but it was very full. Well, there we go, Catherine. I think we've covered all six fashion and beauty shows. I think so. I'm sure there are others, but hey, they're the six we've been to. <laughs> well we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the exhibitionists if you've enjoyed the show please hit the subscribe button and leave us a review we've loved sharing our thoughts with you thank you so much for listening you can find us on instagram at the exhibitionist pod or me vicky at museum mum or me Catherine, at cultural wednesday music is positive hip-hop by maxco music from chusick catch you the next time on the exhibitionists until then stay curious and enjoy those cultural adventures (laughs) 